I invite you to begin today where we left off last week. Right, as we think about last week, we consider what it means for God's people to be on the go, right, to be moving, not stagnant, not settling, but on the go. And there was a rally cry last week. Anyone remember it? Let's go. Let's say that again. Let's go. I mean, maybe there'll be a sermon one day I preach here where there's not some type of rally cry, but no. But you know, God's word wakes us up, right? If, we're, if, if it's true that scripture is living and active, right? Every time we open up God's word, it should be a little bit of a rally cry. It should wake us up. And so today, the wake-up call continues to be let's go. And looking back to last week, yeah, we looked at what it meant to be pioneers, not settlers, right? Pioneers who sacrifice, pioneers who are on the move, pioneers who are on the go. And God's people were called to be on the go. Again, not settling, not remaining stagnant, but as they're moving and moving forward, there's a sense of growth, there's a sense of flourishing, and that's the call of God. Jesus right, gave his disciples these words, the call to action that's become known as the Great Commission, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And so as people on the go, we're called to be that kind of group, that kind of people. But let's not move too fast, right? Because as we think about our church, think about next steps and, and what it means to go and what it means to launch out. If we go too fast, we can false start over and over. But God calls us to a different way. God calls us to remain connected to him to, as we remain in him and remain connected to him in a flourishing relationship built on that foundation. Right? We could then build up from that foundation. We could launch out from that foundation. And that's going to be the focus of the coming weeks as we start a new sermon series called Deeper. Right? Learning how to relate to God. And in some ways we're going to go back to the basics terms of what it means to relate to God. And so for some of you, this is going to be a sense of review. And my prayer for you is that through this sermon series that God will nurture and foster a renewed and deeper connection with him. For some of you, this may be new, this concept of relating to God, a God who created everything, God who's in charge of everything, God who is out there. How can we relate to God? Maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe you've been part of church activities. But this idea of relating to God, that may be new to you. Well, welcome. I'm glad you're here. My prayer is that you will have, begin to get a sense of what it means to relate to this God who loves you so much. For others of you, you may be skeptics, agnostic, even atheist. And maybe someone pulled you here today against your will. Maybe you're sitting on a couch online and you're like, why am I even watching this? But you're here. I'm grateful you're here. You're not here by accident. And so if you're a skeptic or you're agnostic or even an atheist, you're going to receive a window into the Christian faith, into what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how to relate to God in the process, right? So what does it mean to relate to God? How are we going to do this? We're going to start today, like any relationship, there's blockers in that relationship. There's things that could get in the way. We're going to begin today by talking about what I call grace blockers, things that get in the way of our relationship to God. And then from there in the weeks ahead, we're going to engage not only those blocks, but then those things that block our relationship, but we're going to engage in specific practices and considerations to help us nurture and foster that relationship with God. And so as we do, uh, we have to learn how to relate to God more and more. Um, and so that's how we're going to lay it out for the weeks ahead. Are you with me? How about that rally cry again? Let's go, right? We're going to dive in. So let's dive in right away. And so with that, as followers of Jesus, right, we should be growing in our relationship with God. It shouldn't be stagnant. It should be growing. 
But there's many things that get in the way. And like any relationship, relationships take work, don't they? Good relationships take a lot of work. And sometimes building good relationships, whether it's in a marriage, friendships, extended family, neighbors, it can get messy. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and to get to know someone, really know them, it, it, it's a process. Right? The great theologian and author J.I. Packer in his classic work called Knowing God helped me see the difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. Right? He contrasts the idea of, like, of knowing something that's inanimate or that's not alive, right? like a car. Right? You could know a lot of things about a car by observing, exploring, you know, just working with it. But a person is a lot more complex than a car, though a car is pretty complex. But, but a person is a lot more complex. Getting to know a person is complex. Why? Packer knows because people keep secrets, right? Getting to know a person, really getting beneath the surface, going deeper in that relationship takes work. It takes time. And there's a difference between simply knowing about someone and actually knowing someone personally. I think about when uh, getting to know my wife, Laurie, right? When I, when we started dating, I mean, we went to the same college, didn't know each other. We had lots of mutual friends. Or we were both in different Christian groups, and so I had my, a lot of my friends, even roommates, knew Laurie in college. I never met her. Never had a conversation with Laurie in college, but I heard things about her, right? And then years later, I met her for the first time at all places at a wedding, right? And in this time, as we got to have our initial conversations, and she piqued my interest, and I had the guts, by God's grace, to ask her out, and she actually said yes, right? She said yes. I remember that first date we sat down at in, in Reston, Virginia and asking her questions and getting to know her, hearing about her life experiences, her family, things that she likes, things that she didn't like, and then her responding and asking me the same questions. Over time, we started to get to know each other. It wasn't knowing about Laurie. It was actually knowing her personally. Right? And so with God, we can fall into the temptation of thinking that we know, that we can know God by knowing a lot about God or even doing things for God. But God's call is a deeper call. It's a call to relate to him. Again, not just knowing things about him, which we have to know things about him, not just doing things for him, which that's important too, but going to the next level of relating to him. So how can we do that? Uh, we're gonna, the good news is that God's word doesn't leave us without help and he gives us guidance specifically in his word. And today we're going to go to the New Testament letter of James. Right? There's so much wisdom in James. James, which is built on, yes, the wisdom of the Old Testament. In many ways, James, the brother of Jesus, builds on the wisdom of what's come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. And he, James is, has hard-hitting wisdom, wisdom that connects with our lives. And today we're going to look at James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, as we consider what it means to go deeper with God. And what does it mean to learn to relate to God? And specifically, what gets in the way? And then how can we open ourselves up more to him? So here from James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, um, these verses. But read this. But he gives, meaning God, he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, 
and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right, James, right, he doesn't pull any punches. James is hard-hitting wisdom, hard-hitting truths that intersect with their life. There's three specific truths I want to hit on. There's a ton in these short three verses, but I want to hit on three today. The first, we see and learn in terms of our relationship with God that God has abundant grace for us. We just sang about his amazing grace, right, the great hymn. They see here, we read here in verse six, but God gives us more grace. Grace, like a biblical definition of grace, is not just a prayer you say before dinner. It's not just the name of a person. Grace is an undeserved, surprised gift. It's an unmerited, unearned, surprised gift. I mean, grace is amazing when it comes, when it's a surprise. Some of you, if you're on social media, saw that my daughter came and surprised her family last week coming home from college. My face, if you watched that video, and it was like, whoa, Camber is here, she's home. That was grace. That's what amazing grace can do to us. And God loves to surprise us with his grace. And here we read in James this truth that God has more grace for us. But there's grace blockers. There's things in our life that, can, that block that grace. And we read in verse, the second truth comes as we look at verse, the second part of verse six, which quotes Proverbs 3.34, and we read, but God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Right, there's an interesting dynamic here. Right, that, that to be proud in the Bible is not a good thing. Proud in the sense that thinking I'm not only good at something, but better at something. Proud in the sense that not only am I good, but I'm better or it's to the point that I don't need God in my life. And we see that throughout the Old Testament specifically that God resists those who are proud. Mostly because God's people when they're proud and they claim and say, I don't need God in my life. I can do it better without him. Turn away from God. And there's that separation. So here James quoting Proverbs 3.34 calls out a hard truth that God resists the proud. Whenever we have a posture or an approach where we think, I don't need God. I'm, I'm fine without him. In fact, I could do life better without him. But the contrast, second part, but he gives favor or grace to the humble. Right? Those who are receptive, those who are honest and say, God, I don't have it all figured out. I could get some things right, but most things I don't. God, I need your help. I need grace. And to come to God with a posture of humility, he says he gives favor or grace to the humble. How does that happen? In verses 7 8, we see this. We say, if we submit or surrender ourselves to God and resist the devil, then who flees from us, right? Then there's a sense that that's how we receive God's grace. And this amazing promise in verse 8 it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Right? Whenever we decide to return to God, come back to God, the promise of God is that he'll draw near to us. And then James calls upon these kind of cryptic words, right? Words that honestly bothered me for years when I read them in scripture. I'm like, what is he talking about? Wash your hands, you sinners. Right? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. I'm like, that's not sensitive. You're calling, you're calling me sensitive? I mean, you call me a sinner? You're calling me double-minded? That's, no, no, no. Can we get some other language here? But he's being honest. Right? As we turn away from God, right? we need cleansing. And he drew upon this image of hands and washing hands. It would have made sense to those in that time that those who came to worship God would typically clean their hands, wash their hands before they came to worship, especially if they were holding onto holy objects or they were, and they were in charge of the worship. But for all people, they would wash their hands. And that was very much so pointed to outward actions. Wash your outward actions. 
But James doesn't stop on the, on the surface. James doesn't stop above. He moves to the heart. He says, purify your heart. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right? The Greek word dysikos, which means like double-souled. It's, it's not having integrity. He's like, purify your hearts. Go beneath the surface. Go to the core of your being. And let God purify your heart. And so if you want to relate to God, I believe James is saying, it takes not only washing what's on the outside, washing hands, you sinners, he says. It, it also requires, you want to relate to God, you want to clear the way for grace, you want to remove all the grace blockers in your life, surrender to God and let him purify your heart. Right? Jesus himself said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When it's pure, when there's nothing in the way, when there's no impurities, it's clear. Even this morning, I was out on my deck looking up at the morning sky and just marveling at how beautiful and clear the sky was in the morning as the sun was starting to come up. When it's pure and it's clear, there's nothing that stands in the way. Here, James is saying, if you want to relate to God, yes, take care of what's on the outside, but don't stop there. Move to what's on the inside, to what's deeper and what's within. That's how we can relate to God in a stronger fashion. In many ways, our hearts, what's below the surface is like soil. Right? Jesus, right in the parable of the, soil, parable of the sower, talks about different soils. And in many ways, I think about life, that's what my heart is like. My heart is like, like soil. How receptive is my soil to God's love and grace? Even a, a neighbor the other day was sharing, sharing just, we were talking about the rain in Hurricane Ida and how the water just came. And because of the nature of the soil here in our area that's like clay, that the water doesn't soak in because it's hard. In many ways, as we get, especially as we get beat up in life and the struggles of this world, our hearts could become hardened. Our soil of our heart can be like that clay. And unless we let God in to loosen our heart, loosen the soil, his grace, like that water, can bounce off. And I know for me, if I'm honest with you, I used to think, all right, God, I, as long as I read more of your Bible, as long as I pray more, as long as I serve more, as long as I give more, as long as I go to more worship services, as long as I do X, Y, or Z, then just by an equation, I'm a math guy by nature, A plus B plus C plus D equals an outcome. I should become more like Christ. I should grow my relationship. Those are good things. But there's been something over the years I've realized that's been missing. And it's only from the outside in. And it's been through some hard, hard moments, some painful moments where God's had to get my attention to say, Jeff, I want to work from the inside out, not just from the outside in. And that means you have to give me your heart, the core of your being. And that means you also have to look at your life beyond the surface and say, what's going on underneath. Um, in many ways, over the years too, I've seen many in churches that even if they're going to tons of Bible studies, praying a lot, giving a lot, serving a lot, going to worship services, doing lots of things to serve others, that for some reason it's like grace is bouncing off of them. For me, it's like an image of like water bouncing off an umbrella, right? I mean, as you think about rain coming down, as opposed to rain refreshing and nurturing, like a picture of, again, rain bouncing off an umbrella, right? And never actually getting to the person. Imagine, 
I mean, I love a good hot shower. I don't know about you. I, I love, I'm so grateful for clean water, hot water, things we take for granted. Imagine going into a shower in the morning with an umbrella and being like, I'm just going to put this up. That, that makes no sense. You'd be robbing yourself of the refreshment, the renewal of that shower. In some ways, life could be like that, where if God doesn't get into our heart and loosen the soil of our hearts, water could be bouncing off of us, like off of our heart, just like this. Lori was telling me how to close this umbrella this morning, and I didn't take notes. That's why she's laughing. Oh, my goodness, that's so great. The... Um, <clears throat> But, you know, for me, too, I know the struggle for years, um, memorizing verses like 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. It's an amazing truth of becoming a follower of Christ. You become a new creation. But if I'm honest with you, my prayers to God have been like, that may be true, but I still feel the same. I'm still wrestling with some of the same things. I still say the same things. I act selfishly. I don't treat my wife like I should. I, shouldn't, I don't love my daughters like I should. I don't act like I should. I'm still struggling. God, I thought you were supposed to change me. And it wasn't until I said, God, you need to get below the surface and start working on things. And so about four years ago, my prior church gifted me with a, a sabbatical. And so for a couple months, I was able to get away and to study. And one of the studies was Pete Scazzaro's author and pastor in Queens, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And for the first time, I engaged in a study that went truly below the surface. And the primary thesis of his book is you cannot grow spiritually if you remain emotionally unhealthy. And there are aspects of my life that I didn't realize that was still unhealthy, emotionally. Things from my past I'd never dealt with. Because for me... As a follower of Christ, I thought, okay, yeah, going to the past, going over my life story, that's all psychobabble. Like, give me some 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old is gone, the new has come. Forget the past. I don't care about the past. I'm going to the future. But through this study and through prayer and through some good mentoring and counseling, people came alongside me and said, Jeff, if you don't change what's going on, on the inside, what happens on the outside is going to remain the same year after year after year. I'm wondering if you've experienced the same thing as well, where you would have hoped certain things in your life would have changed, but they haven't. And you've been coming to church, maybe parts of Bible studies, praying, asking God, just wondering, God, why am I not changing? Why are things the same? If you're God, make this happen. I believe it's in part because we block God's grace when we don't let him below the surface. And so I want to share a little bit of what that looks like. Um, Pete Scazzaro in that book, he offers 10 what I call grace blockers. We're only going to look at a couple this morning. Um, don't have time for all 10. And it's just as an example of how to get below the surface because we're going to engage things like this in the weeks ahead. The first one, grace blocker, is using God to run from God. Using God to run from God. This is a tricky one because on the surface, it would seem that, hey, doing all the good things, right, Bible study, prayer, going to worship service, serving, giving, all those things are great things, and they are. But it could be a subtle shift where if, if we're doing those things, we're not doing, we may not be doing them all for the right reasons. Maybe, in some ways, it can end up being a way that we end up running from God or hiding from God instead of running to him. What's an example? Let me give an example of my life. Again, my story may not be your stories, but it may resonate with you. Growing up, as many of you knew, I grew up in this town. Right, so 07974 is in my blood. 
and North Jersey and the drivenness for achievement is in my blood. You throw on that, a half Asian experience growing up, my dad, right? The expectation was you get it done. That means good grades. And I learned early in life, if I didn't perform, I would get criticism. And that criticism hurt. And I didn't like that pain, especially from my dad. And so what did I learn to do? Achieve, be perfect, avoid criticism. So that means good grades. It means Eagle Scout. It means varsity sports. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this is what it did. I mean, I was driven hard to get it done. And the pressure, high school students who are in the room, I feel for you. I feel for you. Come on, Owen. I feel for you, brother. And you're killing it. Man, you're in the marching band and the football team, right? So that I feel that pressure. I felt that pressure. And I realized that, okay, if I could achieve in, 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 in this, with this, within this circle, if I just achieved and had perfection in this circle, then all the criticism would go away, including my dad's. And so I developed a way of living that allowed me to be highly successful, but not really healthy. And so what I realized years later, and it, it took an honest conversation with a dear friend. He said, I think you're doing that with God. I think you're doing all these things so you could keep your heavenly father off your back and you could then go do whatever you want. Man, that is deep. Maybe too deep on a Sunday morning for you, but the fact that it's deep. And so I had to say, okay, God, I'm gonna let you into this circle. I'm not gonna just do things for you. I wanna learn how to relate to you and I'm gonna open myself up to you. And it's been many years of that process. In many ways, I was using God to hide from God, meaning using the church, using activities. And to this day, even as a pastor, I've asked God, if I'm not supposed to be doing this, if I'm still doing it, if I'm preaching today just to keep you off my back, then I need to quit. Not to scare the PNC and all the hard work you did, but the fact that like, <laughs> I'm just being honest, that's where I am. That's how serious this is. The question, if, if maybe some of you use God to run or hide from God like me. Um, another grace blocker example is ignoring anger, sadness, and fear. I know for me for years, okay, those are emotions, right? I, no, as Christians, I'm supposed to be full of joy. I'm supposed to be happy, right? Sadness, anger, fear, those are weakness. So I would stuff them down. But God's taught me, no. Again, surrender your life to me. I've given you these emotions. These are warning signs. These are signs of how I can get your attention. When you're angry, something's wrong. Let it get your attention. When you're sad, you've experienced a loss. Bring that to me. Right? When you're scared and anxious, don't try and take it on alone. Bring it to me. As opposed to stuffing it down below the surface, which becomes a grace blocker, God invites us to bring it to him and to the surface. So by ignoring anger, sadness, and fear, that's a, a blocker of grace. Lastly is uh, denying the impact of the past. I shared a little bit about this where it's this idea of I'm not going to look at the past. That's all psychobabble, that's all counseling, whatever. I don't need that. I'm just going to go forward. But that's the clay that God's working with. That's what he's shaping. And if you've never thought about that before, my prayer is that maybe for the first time today, you'll say, it's worth looking at the past in order to go forward. Because for years, I didn't do that. And it stunted my growth in Christ and was a block between me and him. So those are just three examples of grace blockers. There's a lot more. And I look forward to the day and hopefully the near future where 
I, and I can teach this course, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Laurie and I taught it at our prior church and it allows you to go beneath the surface into some of these areas. It's good work, it's hard work, but it allows for a greater connection to God and learning how to relate to him. So what's one thing to remember, one thing to do, and a couple questions as we come out of this sermon. This is really a setup for the weeks ahead in so many ways. One thing to remember is that God invites us to surrender ourselves to him right, so that we can receive his grace and to learn how to relate to him. All right, so it's always that first step. And after years and years here, you're gonna be like, okay, Jeff, will you stop saying the same things over and over? I'm not, because it really is. Every day is a daily surrender to God. God, take my life. Invite him. Invite him to receive your heart. Invite him to work in your life. Surrender to him. One thing to do, is I ask you this, to commit to learning how to relate to God through the content and action steps of this sermon series. So I invite you to commit to the weeks ahead from now until Advent, right? Christmas seems a long, far away. I think we're 98 days from Christmas or something like that, right? So it seems a long time away. But in the weeks leading up, every week we're gonna engage a different topic, most of them built on the principles for emotional healthy spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. And we're gonna engage in these concepts. There's gonna be specific action items. And I ask that today, September 19th, 2021, that you commit to say, I'm gonna give this a shot. Even if you get 1% of the, of the content, that's better than zero. Hopefully you'll get a lot more than that. But to commit to that in the weeks ahead, to be here in worship, ideally in person if you can, to engage these topics, and to follow up and reflect, whether with a friend or with others, uh, on these topics and see what God does. And so with that, I wanna give three questions for reflection. As we come from this sermon, think about these questions maybe over lunch today or tonight or with a friend or maybe in your journal this week. First, how can we fall into the trap of thinking that knowing more information about God or doing things for God automatically equals knowing God. All right, again, this was something that I needed someone, I needed God to get my attention through a friend where I thought, I'm reading a ton of Christian books. I'm reading through the Bible. I just, by reading and knowing and doing classes, that's knowing God. And that's part of it. You have to start there. But there's so much more. We could fall into the trap simply thinking, knowing about God or doing things for God equals actually knowing him personally. Two, in what ways have you seen grace bounce off your life or the lives of others? Or as you think about your own life, again, coming to church, doing church things, but just almost that image of, again, the umbrella in a shower. Instead of receiving that grace, receiving that renewal and refreshment from God and change, it seems to just bounce off of you or others. Think about that this week. Lastly, what are some possible grace blockers in your life? Can we just began to look at a couple today. We'll look at more in the weeks ahead, but just invite you to, this week to slow down with God. And if you're a journaler, journaler, is that a word? Like me, just write down grace blockers and think what are some things possibly that could be blocking God's grace? Remembering the words from James through, the, through Proverbs 3.34. God re- opposes the proud but he gives favor or grace to the humble, right? Submit your lives to God. Surrender to him. And then he says, come near to God. He'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, and see what God does. Um, Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we have considered the beginning of this series, what it means to go deeper, what it means, God, to allow you into our lives, I ask and pray, Lord, for every, I pray for every person 
who's heard this message, whether today or sometime in the future, God, that you would work in their lives in a fresh way. God, that you would begin to loosen the soil of their hearts. That grace would not be blocked from them. That grace would not bounce off of them, but instead that, their, that your grace would renew and refresh and restore them. And may the weeks ahead be a bunch of aha moments in that direction. Not just for our thoughts, but also for our actions, ultimately for changed lives. God, we look to you. We're to be a people on the go. Let's go, God. Help us to move forward together based on this foundation as we learn to relate to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.